YouTube, hope you are well. Thank you so much for checking out the High People Podcast again. And this is insane. We have hit 10 episodes, 10 weeks of podcasts that we've created and that we've enjoyed the journeys of hearing people. So firstly, I just want to thank all the guests that have come on. Like it's been awesome to chat, to hear their stories. And I just thank every single one of those guests. But I think every single one of you that's listened as well, the fact that you've taken the time to invest and to listen and to understand and to hear some of the stories that we've shared from you means the world to not only me, but the guests quite often ask, you know, how many people listened and, you know, have you heard any feedback and those types of things. So it's been awesome to experience that across the board. So episode 10 today is going to end season one. And then we're going to make some slight changes to the podcast. We might do it a little bit less frequently so that we can keep it manageable around work and uh, other things as well. So we'll do that, but the episodes will still come at a fortnightly basis for the time being with maybe the occasional special episode. We'll see what happens. But as usual, please subscribe to Instagram, all the podcast places where you do. Give it a like and all that stuff means the absolute world. Now, this episode couldn't have been a better episode for episode 10. He's a good friend of mine, and his name is Nick Wagstaff, who currently resides in New York. Uh, the first international guest that we're having, which is very exciting. And look, a bit of a warning with this episode. There are some very emotional moments. Uh, we talk about um, some big changes in life, but in saying that, though, the way that Nick has got through these times, the way that he's processed Um, major events occurring in his life has been amazing to hear and the best news is he's out on the other side and and happy to share that story with us so it is a great story it's a great journey interesting journey and I look forward to sharing it with you so without further ado this is the story of Nick Wagstaff well our next guest uh, firstly episode 10 which is very very exciting and it's the first time that we have having a international guest on the show which is awesome we have nick wagstaff who is currently sitting in new york in the united states of america so this is pretty really exciting and i'd love to introduce him welcome to the high people podcast nick it's awesome to have you here yeah cheers clates man this is uh so cool to be on here i've actually become quite a fan of high people podcast (laughs) <laughs> it's so you good know, i know you, you messaged me after we heard tomo and daimo's episode being like you know it was so good to hear those stories again because you know you were a part of a lot of them i suppose and you know i'm probably gonna refer to you as wags because that's how we know each other yeah, <laughs> through no, our friendship circles definitely but, you should do yeah, that what was what was being one of your highlights i suppose listening back to a couple of those episodes well, you know it's like kind of this thing that we i guess like a lot of us spend so much time listening to celebrities be interviewed on podcasts and things like that and it's 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 so much more interesting to listen to people that are kind of like you you know i mean like Mm. for example like the uh i think the last one the matt purcell one Mm. well that was like super interesting because i don't have anyone in my life who was like had that story of like adoption and like going through all that sort of thing so it's not something i've ever thought about and to hear someone with that story was like, oh, a whole new perspective on things I've never really thought about before. Yeah. 
It's so good. And I think that's what I've really loved about the approach. It's like, it's your story, right? So this is the story of, and you know, we're not going to have um, similar pathways. We're not going to have similar growing ups where it's these stories. And I think there's a lot of gold in, in a lot of stories. And I'm looking forward to exploring a lot in your life as well. And, and obviously being in the States, which we will get to. And but I suppose, mate, the favorite question I think everybody has to ask, and look, I had to do a bit of lining up with the times and when we were chatting and organizing <laughs> this. Mate, what's the time in uh, New York right now? What day is it? And I suppose, what have, what, have you, what have you done today? Oh, mate, I was very up. Well, it's, it's 9 p.m. On, on a Thursday. And uh, if I look a little haggard this morning as uh, today because I was up super early this morning uh, trying to deal with some immigration stuff. So that was good. Oh, fun. great. <laughs> um you know well how long have i been here for uh four four going on five years uh four or nearly five years of marriage which is you know how you get your green card and i'm still dealing with immigration bullshit you know yeah wow that's insane yeah considering you've been there for such a long time it's felt like a long time from us from our end that's for sure like that um we've only got to see you i think maybe once or twice since when you've come back but yeah, that has been a long time now when you put it into reflection, but that's that's awesome that you've been able to set up there yeah. and, and start to do things there, which is exciting. Yeah, Ooh. I think the, what was the last time I saw you was uh, 2019 before yeah. before the world was there for uh, our friend and guest of the show, Andrew Thomas's engagement party. Yeah, that's right. I do recall that night. Yeah, in Glen Haven there. That was, that was a good night. Yeah, geez, that was the last time yeah wow that's i mean i I did have plans of like being able to come back more often but obviously then the world exploded and uh you know haven't been able to get back which is really uh honestly quite difficult yeah i can only imagine um you know with family and friends and and everything out here i suppose let's let's just run with that actually while before we get into the chronological things you know what what has been i suppose you're you're in Actually, where are you in the States other than New York is probably a good question to start. But what's been, I suppose, you know, the real hard part about leaving home and leaving Australia, because as we'll explore, you know, you've obviously been in Australia more than you have in the States. What, yeah. What's been that, that hard element to adjust to? Well, I mean, recently there's been more uh, harder elements to it. Uh, I mean, this is probably something we may want to revisit later on in this episode, but, you know, actually that time when I was in this last in Australia, uh, I was just there visiting, you know, I told his engagement and all this sort of stuff. And that's when also just in coincidence, when I was there, my dad passed away while I was there. Mm. Uh, so, you know, just not being able to come home for that amount of time while, and you know, we'll start this podcast off on a big downer. Um, <laughs> But yeah, that's been that's been the most difficult thing for sure. But um, you know, it's yeah, that's got to be it. Yeah, it's. I think it's a. It, it was a tough time, and, and we'll definitely get to it. And obviously, I'm I'm really happy for you to to lead that conversation around how we want to go um, through that. But let let's go back to the beginning because we we're going to build um, all the way through. And I think it's a really cool story how you've ended up in the States and, you know, with <laughs> Sam as well. And, you know, all those things are really, really cool. But Wags... Yeah, I started where... off on the fun story. <laughs> uh, Wags, where were you born, mate? Where was uh, Nick Wagstaff born and, and where did he grow up? You know, actually, like listening to the Mark Diamond podcast, I was also born at the Sand Hospital in Warunga. There you go. A couple of Sand yeah. Boys. Beautiful. Exactly, yeah. And uh, where was your um, early childhood? 
I grew up in the uh, in Hornsby Heights, you know, uh, the the New York of the, <laughs> the northern suburbs of Sydney, <laughs> as no one has ever called it. Um, yeah, a couple, no, Hornsby, a couple of Hornsby guests that are listening are, are very stoked with that anal- <laughs> reference and analogy. Happy to be called the New York, I reckon. <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely the opposite of that. Um, yeah, no, I grew up there, but I guess you know. Um, and then uh, meeting you through all the guys in kind of the Hills district, you know, going through uh, like Northam Grammar, like that school and stuff like that. Hmm. So you went yeah. to, you went to Northam Grammar, you know, public school, Northam Grammar. You know, what was, what did Nick, I suppose, want to do at that point? And I'm going to say, it, it feels weird me calling you Nick. So I'm definitely just going back to WAGS. Just call me WAGS, <laughs> Yeah. What, what did WAGS want to do? I suppose going through, the early parts of school or even high school, did, did things evolve or did you have a clear understanding of what did you want to do at that time? Um, I guess, you know, I've always been a bit of a fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy, which is probably how I ended up where I ended up, to be honest with you. But <laughs> the, like, I mean, the, the thing for me all the way through high school was just was music, really. I mean, I, uh, you know, began playing the saxophone when I was a kid like we all did in band and then like it just be kind of became a part of my personal identity for a while I guess um that was definitely me in high school is like the the band guy Hmm. that was I think what people will always will remember me as as they went to school with me you know and um so yeah I mean like I remember when we we go through that kind of high school part of things where you're like, what are you going to do now? You're leaving, you know, you meet with your counselor or whatever like that. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to keep playing music. This is what I'm going to (laughs) do. And, you know, (laughs) to his credit, he was like, yeah, I mean, you just can't do that, though. And I was was like, well, yeah, but I'm going to. So whatever. Can't think of anything else I'd rather do, you know. So Even good. if I just spend the next four years doing that, then I'll figure something out afterwards. <laughs> so you, you you go through school, music, obviously a big part um, of life. And a lot of the other guys that we've spoken to, music is just such a big part. I, I, I'm starting to resonate that more. And, and person a person speaking now with no musical talent whatsoever, other than listening to music. And, and I think I've got a brain for lyrics, but again, can't sing. But I always find it fascinating about what is the the draw to you for music? So when when you played saxophone or when you, you know, listened to music or when you performed, what what did that what did that mean to you? What was the I suppose the music meaning to you at that point? I guess I mean on a, on a superficial level, I guess it was some kind of identity. I I think hmm. you know to be perfectly honest, I it was kind of a it was something that I had a natural, I didn't have a natural ability for a lot of things. And uh, it was something that I could pin some self-worth on, I guess, you know. Um, And, uh, you know, people tell you, oh, you're doing such a good job and all that sort of stuff. It kind of, you know, that's like feeds that self-esteem that we all so much want and need. Mm. But, you know, I mean, when you take it down to like what it actually feels like to play, you know, I, I as a saxophone player, you end up playing a lot of jazz music, and it wasn't really until I got into that and like improvising, you know, which was where I really started to understand what it gives to me. Because like in that moment where you're 
playing at your ability and making things up on the spot and trying to remember all these rules and all this and blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like, it's kind of, um, kind of a Zen state, you know, not to sound too. No, I love that. <laughs> no, I love that. I think saxophone was one of those instruments that I always wanted to play and I blame my parents. They never, they never let me, but they're probably smart because they're probably like, you will not, like they knew me they're like your sport sorry you will not do music like yeah. <laughs> like we're not gonna waste our time we're gonna foresee well, that a, we're not gonna waste your time <laughs> that's the thing that i've always admired about you quotes is that you i mean like when i when we first met you know i was like oh this is like a sports guy you know i was never like any good at sports i was just absolutely atrocious and uh an embarrassment to have on the cricket field but like you know when i met i was like oh this is the the sports guy you know like you were like the uh the big shot cricket guy and and it was like a little intimidating but as i got to know you we have all these like creative interests and like and you do all these cool things and i was like oh this guy's got like many levels that i i didn't appreciate at first well i think it's a funny thing and, and i was always challenged right to go like i never would have thought myself so i'm not artistic i can't draw i can't paint i can't you know like create music i can't do those things but like i always had this like I suppose like that spark and I think I've been encouraged in the later years of my life if there's some sort of creative spark just act on it and see what happens and I suppose you know waters to beers which you've had a, you've been a guest reviewer on a couple of times a couple <laughs> yes. of American beers they've been awesome um, uh -huh. but then also this and I think for me this is just acting on interest and that's why I can align it with people who play music it's like you know that really interests me like i love what it sounds like i love being part of a band i, I love um you know the improvisation of music as as you perfectly said you know i think mm. that there's a lot of creative lines that it doesn't just look in the i suppose the gross idea of you know this is music and this is art and if you don't fit these brackets you're not creative um and mm. i think there's definitely a little creative sparks um in there following on with creative what was it that, oh, I just ask you yeah. though like what what was it for you like you said you got it later on in life you know i mean when you started doing these creative what was it was there like some kind of thing that like flipped the switch for you or was it just like getting older and being really like fuck it let's just do it you know yeah i think it was elements of that but i think it was also elements of confidence like self-confidence in myself right. to be like i can actually do this but also an element of like you know what effort i'm actually going to do it and i'm going to do it for me in a sense and if you know waters to beers was the perfect one i loved beer i loved the experience of going to breweries i was traveling so much for work that i was yeah. trying all these beers anyway so i was like well why not like it took me i reckon about two years from the idea to actually you know create an instagram page which sounds ridiculous but i was in my <laughs> own head of like no one will like this this will be stupid it'll be a dumb idea like um uh, isn't that don't bother annoying thing to think I yeah think and I was, I was like and i remember one of my friends being like who cares do it like will it make you happy like you know in a sense like will it improve your writing skills will it um improve your i suppose way of articulating you know what a taste is and, and then getting it down on paper that then someone can read it and then go to the fridge and be like oh yeah sick this beer tastes like blah because mm -hmm. you know clates said so so i think i actually genuinely think it was a confidence in myself um that i wanted to just have a crack and, and do it and like that nearly that fear of like public rejection of like oh my gosh i can't believe you started a beer instagram page or oh you started a podcast like what the hell yeah that's the, the like, fear that we all it. 
yeah the fear that we all have is that like people are talking shit about us behind our backs right you know it's like oh have you seen it oh it's terrible and like no one is doing that you know like everyone's just supportive or or at least the people that count are you know exactly that's what i keep saying like all the feedback that i've got particularly on the podcast honestly like makes my day and and i don't say that you know when you messaged me and said hey i'm loving this it made my day you know, when I've heard stories about, um, you know, the Bollums and other people's, I was like, you know, it, it makes my day. And I'm like, you know what? I have fun doing this. The process behind it is easy <laughs> and we just have fun. Like I get to talk to you. Yeah. I haven't spoken to you in probably six or so months in, in this sort of depth. And so I'm yeah. like, I get to chat with people, get to do that. Like that's that's the way, that's what I want to do. So um, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and, and we're going to keep um, ticking on. Uh, with it which is really really fun really yeah, really yeah. fun so you finish north home grammar um yeah. you know music's inspiration everything go from there 2007 mm-hmm. onwards i suppose what did the immediate future look like for wags what what was the the next steps were you at uni did you jump into work oh, did yeah, you do I... nothing or what was what was the next steps no, I went, I went, I went straight into uni to, to study music. I went to USW to study music, did a double degree in uh, Bachelor of Music, Bachelor of Arts. The arts was majoring in philosophy. So, mm. you know, by the end of that four years, I was prepared to be hired by every Fortune 500 company. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, How'd that go? How'd that go for you? Oh, you know, went exactly to plan. <laughs> there was, as I said, you know, I'm very much a flyby to see my pants kind of, there was no plan. I was just like, you know, I, I guess, you know, we always, I was always told like, there's no um, such thing as a, a bad education. You know what I mean? Like mm. university is its own thing, whatever you learn there, that's just kind of your basis for tertiary education, knowing more, you know, whatever. But, uh, you know, I was, I just really wanted to, exp- to, to be around like-minded people. You know what I mean? Like Northam was mm. a pretty small school. I don't know if like, there's like 60 people in our graduating class but um so you know it it was it was just great to be around like-minded people and meet people like that uh there was no plan really which sounds terrible but you know it's you get kicked out you get out of high school you gotta do something right like you can't just so you may as well do something you enjoy you know yeah interesting um perspective you had there where it's like being around like-minded people but you also said being around different people and I think that's something that um, you know in my experience as well that when we get out of the hills or get out of Hornsby Shire Council like you're like yeah. oh my gosh yeah, yeah. like there are different people out there who think way different to me or actually align very much with my values but but maybe think they're was that something that you just really loved, you know, going to, to uni and experiencing that, I suppose, difference in that sense? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. It was like being part of, um, like being led into a club that you always wanted to be a part of, I guess, you know. It's, mm. uh, I, I didn't even realize it existed, to be honest, at the time until I got there. Um, but yeah, it was it was really important for me to do that. You know, since since then, I've had a lot of like, obviously, I haven't didn't pursue that after university as a career because you know it's just not a career <laughs> um but you know i i you know I, I, later now like being a bit older i looking back at that decision i made to do that and i definitely go back and forth on whether it was like uh a good call or not because it led to so like 
having that level of education in music led to a lot of different things in like different and positive and different pathways in my life that I wouldn't be where I am without it. Mm. Um, but it definitely wasn't great for the old uh, career prospects. Yeah, interesting. So like, let's pick up on that maybe. Like you said, you know, your studies and everything went down some really positive pathways. Can you expand on what some of those pathways would have looked like and, and what were they? Yeah, I mean, it just kind of led to a lot of really excellent experiences. And I mean, just in terms of pinpointing a few of them, um, you know, when after meaning say moving countries or, you know, when I first moved to the US and and later on ended up living in Montreal for a while, it was kind of this thing of like not really knowing anyone. And it was always the thing I could do to just kind of instantly inject myself into a community, you know, and mm. make a lot of friends and connections. And like people that I've met who I just love dearly to this day, you know, um, have found them because of music, you know? Mm. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love that. And it's such, it resonates with, um, you know, our friend Dymo, Mark Diamond, who was episode two as well, who I think one of the comments that has really stuck out to me is like, I pursued music and I loved music because it was fun and I liked doing it. And I was like, right. that's something, yes. you know, like if you were to adopt that to, I think most things in life, I reckon, you know, it would come out pretty well. Like if you're like, Hey, I have fun doing this and I like music. So therefore I'm going to pursue it. I reckon that's a pretty good way to, to approach a lot of studies and, and future prospects. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's how I've approached a lot of things in my life. And you know, it's you're doing it because that's exactly what you want to do. You know, I mean, why shouldn't we do that? I mean, we're lucky that we're able to do that, I guess. Yeah. So you finish your studies, you're in Australia still at this point. Yeah. How does WAGS get overseas in the sense of what, what's the, what's the thought process? What's the understanding? What's the point where you go, you know what, I'm going to uproot in Australia and I'm going to move overseas. How did that process occur? <laughs> well, I mean, so after after I finished that degree, I went back and did like a, a one year kind of bridging course in advertising and just so I could have like some kind of hireable. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as soon as I finished that, I did get a job at like at a digital marketing agency. And I was there for probably a good four months after I graduated before I realized that it just wasn't. I wasn't feeling right about it. It was just, it, I don't know, there was something in me that wasn't dealing with it pretty well. And I just thought, this is not for me. I'm, you know, getting claustrophobic here. Um, and then I had a friend who told me about this thing where it's like, if you're a year out of graduated university, you can get this one year working holiday visa to the US. And as soon as I found out about that, about a month later, I was here in the US. So I mean, it was pretty impulsive, I guess. But, you mm. know, I was like, if I don't, it was one of those things that if I don't do it right now, it's never going to happen. And, and it would just, it would just be a shame not to do it. I guess that's kind of like the thing is the fear of regret of like not doing the thing you love is more terrifying than taking the safe bet. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's really interesting. So you, you understand that you've got this, gr this grad one year, um, uh, visa, did did you have in a sense a, a, a job to go to or was this just a visa no, and then off you'll go and see what happens? 
yeah i think in a way i just wanted i wanted that like come on come on world messed me up sort of thing like yeah right uh, I, I wanted to see see if I could just launch myself into nothingness and then what would happen, you know? Um, which is, I guess, is it's probably a great thing to do when you're in your early 20s. <laughs> but mm. obviously, like, looking back on it now as someone who is about to turn 32, it slightly terrifies me. Um, yep, the other day, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got mine coming up next month. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm interested to know. Um, so you've you've gone off. You've done your year, and you know you, you'll pick up some some jobs here and there. And you know you said uh, just you've gone into the nothingness per se. So you're a new country, you're relatively not many friends per se. You know, in, in knowing people and, and the like. Mm-hmm. What did you learn about yourself in, in that time? Like, what was the things that you would like look back on and be like, yeah, I I did that. Like, that's that's awesome. Like, were you confident or were you were just like Let's see what happens. Yeah, I think that, that when you have um, no expectation and um, everything to gain, it takes a lot of the fear of being, I guess, those, those kinds of anxieties of rejection and failure and all that sort of stuff out of the equation. So you can just kind of blank slate yourself and, and just everything that happens is great. Hmm. You know, um, I mean, especially when you're doing like a one year thing, you think a oh, one year, like it almost feels like a one year out of your life. Like you take a holiday from yourself and mm. you're, you can be a different person for you. So it really allowed me to be probably a lot more confident and outgoing than I usually am as a person. Mm. Um, and then, but like, once you do that, then that kind of, it's like working out a muscle, you know, you that's why they always tell you, you know, take a gap year, go see the world. Cause it really does. It just brings you out of your skin a bit. I'm sure a lot of people have experienced that. Mm. Yeah. No, interesting. What jobs did you do in the year? Did you have a lockdown job that you, that you did the whole year or did you do a bunch of different things or what was the, the main role? Well, I was lucky for the first six months I was working as a temp, like assistant at Columbia records, which was like yeah, yeah. pretty incredible to be honest. I mean, like just, that was, the first job that I, I landed just from kind of like shooting the shot, you know? Um, yeah. And because uh, obviously being in music and I always had this kind of thing of like working in the music industry. But the problem with that visa is you can only work somewhere six months before you have to move on. Mm. They wanted to keep me on full time, but I like it just wasn't legal. So I don't know if yeah. on. But the whole time I was there, I was also uh, living and working at this art gallery well i mean quote-unquote art gallery like it was uh kind of like one of these like artist warehouse spaces with like 10 people living there and (laughs) yeah it was uh that was that was an experience on itself yeah that sounds just that as a as a layout was an experience um itself so the columbia records i think they had a small electronic band called um daft punk i think they were um yeah, yeah they're pretty pretty small i suppose not really a massive deal deal for them um did you happen to come across any sort of amazing artist in that six months i was in the same room as beyonce for uh for a second which was which <laughs> yes. is pretty cool that is awesome that's that's the that was my claim now like that's my only claim to fame you know like i'll be i'll be like 70 being like i was in the same room and that'll be the peak of my life and that's <laughs> 
that's too good. Yeah, that's too good. So you, you do you do your year. Um, and obviously, you know, we've already spoiled the fact that you're coming from New York right now. What was the, um, decision again? Like, did you, did you stay? Did you extend your visa? What was, how did the next step go about? You come back to Australia or what was the, how did you end up back where you were? Again? Yeah, I guess this is, this is the defining step in the process where real life kicks in and yeah. the decisions that you make have real impacts on your life. So, um, when I was here towards the kind of like last few months I was here, I met Skull Sam. Mm. And uh, we, uh, she was this, at this gallery I was working at, she was submitting work to her show. Uh, so like one of the shows we were holding. And I just happened, we took turns like doing submissions, like people who lived there. And I was, was my turn to take submissions that night. And uh, she shows up with her bag of artwork under her shoulder and you know I'm, she sits down and I oh, here we go uh, <laughs> and you know this is like one of those stories that like if if you ask me and Sam to tell the story out at a bar or something there's a whole like couple's story dance that we do about yeah it. yeah uh you know it's quite embarrassing but um, no, so I said yeah obviously she sits down fills out a bunch of forms and I'm there flirting with her the whole time she goes to leave and um, she uh, left her bag behind. So, you know, I call her up about 10 minutes later and she's, uh, I was like, oh, you left your bag here. She, so she comes back, picks it up. And, you know, I give her the, the line of like, oh, you just wanted to come back and see me. And yeah, it's beautiful. Anyway, so that's the story of how we met. And then, uh, but my visa was up. Obviously we dated for, for the next few months and then my visa was up pretty soon. So I had to go back to Australia. Um, and then she, uh, cut a long story short, ended up coming out to live with, with me in Australia for a year. So, you know, got to meet all of you guys and that mm. was fantastic. But then again, her visa was only one year there. So we had to decide, well, what the, what do we do now? You know, we can't live in each other's worlds. We have to make a choice. So we made the obvious choice and the only choice and we got married and, mm. uh, started the, started the green card application to come back to New York. Yeah, that's awesome. Which I never I thought that. I would be back to. <laughs> I love that story because I, I remember vividly meeting Sam for the first time, and you know, this is this is my girlfriend, and the story, mm. and we're here for a year, and we're gonna do this, and you know, then eventually. But I always clearly remember doing as well, being like, there was always like the decision in the mind that we're gonna have to make a decision at some point. It was. But we're not going to at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to at the moment. We're going to go to the AFL. We're going to have fun. We're going to go to the pub. <laughs> we're going to drink. We're going to chat. And it's just going to be normal. And then that's that's future Nick and Sam's problem. We'll, we'll get there when we when we, when we we get there. Um, totally, yeah. Putting things in future Nick and Sam's problem is a, is a, um, a great thing that we do all the time. <laughs> Was those conversations hard between the both of you of, you know, where the next step is and, and what that looks like you know what no i don't remember it wasn't a hard it was actually a very short conversation hmm. it was just um so what you know it was basically what do we do now it was like the, the date was looming and we we're like we couldn't put off the conversation anymore and it was like so i mean we could uh stay here just pay ten thousand dollars more for the next level of your visa or get married I'm like hmm. let's get married you know, Hectic. do it, yeah. man. Dive, dive in like head first. 
love it and yeah. look at that it's awesome and, and sam is such a, a lovely and warm and beautiful person as well so i've always enjoyed catching up and having a chat with her as well um she <laughs> she is awesome so then so you got married which is really cool um and then it was back to the states for you guys you were well yeah it kind of i mean it was a little more difficult than that like we because we got married in australia in like the november of 2016 so uh if you remember in november of 2016 something really not great happened in the world and that was that trump got elected yeah um so you know he doesn't super like the process of immigration so he's you know started things to make it very difficult for people to come into the country so my you know at the time we didn't know that all of this was happening so i was like you know what i'm going to do is i'm going to you know i'm going to go uh in montreal for like just a couple of months while the green, we wait for the green card to come through i'll be there for like that's two right. three months max that's don't right worry about it. Like, yes yeah just so we could be in the same country i mean same not country obviously not the same country but like same vicinity you know it's like a a short trip back and forth between new york and montreal um so we get at least you know we were going to be apart which sucked but you know it was like oh we'll just have that time for a few months and then we'll move in new york done uh so i ended up being in montreal for about 10 months yes um, wow which was just a huge i mean look my time in montreal i met like this is an example of like planning yourself in a place and being able to like inject yourself into a community of musicians and just and that's basically what i did for 10 months was just play music for a while hmm. um which obviously was fantastic because i had after graduating university and doing all that music stuff i actually had a lot of anxiety around playing saxophone again because hmm. i had you know it just didn't seem like something i could do and i i didn't come out of it feeling like I was good enough anymore. You know, it kind of had the opposite effect. Hmm. And so I, I kind of had like a little bit of a falling out with it, which was difficult because I said it was a large part of my personal identity of myself. And, uh, but moving to Montreal, I met all these great people who was just so lovely and encouraging and excited to play hmm. and um, it made me fall in love with it again in a way that it wasn't about trying to be the best. It wasn't about trying to outdo everyone else. It wasn't about trying to make a living on it. It was just about doing it because I loved it again. That's awesome. I love that. I want to I want to pick up on something you said there, which I think is interesting. You said you know you fell out of love with I suppose the actual playing of the saxophone so not the not the theory not the you know these are the notes this is this stuff but yet fell out of love with that what did what did that feel like considering it was such a massive part of your life and obviously the beautiful part is that you picked it up again and had fun and that that's awesome but like what what did that feel like to have sort of a part of your life somewhat be put on hold or, or ripped out i felt pretty lost to be honest you know because when you're when you're in your you know when you leave high school you think you think you know how the world works right you, mm. you have no idea and i was like oh, i'm gonna go play music i'm gonna like this is gonna be my life i'm gonna be a musician professionally mm. and then you know as you kind of mature during those like university years and start to figure out what the real world is like it was for me it was a bit of a like ah oh, shit you know like i've made a 
Blundy here. Um, I can't do this, you know, looking at people in the community that I looked up to and I was like, even if I work my butt off all the time, this is the best case scenario, which, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening would be like, that should have been fairly obvious, you know, at the time, mm. but I guess I was, you know, not too quick on the uptake there. Um, but yeah, I felt a little lost, I guess. Um, I was kind of grasping at straws to like replace that with something and coming up short because nothing really matched the feeling. Hmm. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was a difficult time. Yeah, definitely. And sounds, I think I love, I love the, the joyful element at the end where it's like, I was encouraged by people and I found a community and I, I sort of had faith back in that so to the flip the question again what did that feel like you know all of a sudden where you got people in a sense investing in you buying in you to to something that was in a sense poured on pause removed gone whatever word you want to use to then being encouraged to come back out again like was it as simple as i picked up the saxophone again and started playing and i was like oh my gosh i love this or you know what what did that, that process is like, that would be a big enough process as well. Yeah, it was, it was cause I actually was nearly not even going to bring it with me. Um, you know, I got there and I didn't know anyone again. And, uh, my, the people who I was living with who only spoke, I mean, one of them spoke a bit of English, but the other mostly just spoke French, um, invited me to come with him to his party. And they said, yeah, you know, with these parties, usually like a bunch of musicians show up and they like play for everyone. You should bring it. It'll be fun. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, like <laughs> I did that thing of like, you know, when you're in a new city and you have to turn up that, like, say yes to everything vibe. Yeah. So I was like, All right, yep, yep. And um, I got there and I wasn't feeling great about it. And anyway, I walk into the back room and there's these people just playing. Everyone's standing around listening to these people play music and. I think word had gotten around that a saxophone player was coming and so they were like, oh, here he is. And then I, so I just kind of had to jump in feeling a little bit sheepish about myself, but it was, these were the people who would just become like my best friends when I was there. And it was, it was, it just felt so, uh, they were, they were so encouraging. I mean, yeah, as I said, just, uh, so thankful, I think grateful of just everything that was mm -hmm. going on around them. Um, you know, because like after I'd fell out of, of love with saxophone for that time, I, you know, you start looking, well, maybe I should look corporately for things. And you start getting this mindset of like, I need to make money. I need to find something quickly. That's going to make the, you know, make the bucks. And, and then I was there in Montreal, like it's a very different city from like the bunch of artists that are there. It's very cheap. And, you know, everyone's just kind of following their passions all the time. So it was great mm -hmm. to be there and be reminded that like chasing money is not the most important thing i mean it definitely you need to do it but like don't you don't have to think about that as some kind of like tunnel vision you know yeah you can don't forget to enjoy yourself you know and i think that's what i had forgotten yeah absolutely that's i think it's so cool and I, I sit there and align to that and i go it's funny that a passion was somewhat lost and then you move to an area where that passion is somewhat a part of the identity of the area and then it is refound again, um, which is awesome. Right. And again, the other hard part of Montreal, as you mentioned, it was not three months. It was 10 months that you were separate um, 
from your wife. Right. Well, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it because that, that's just tough. And I remember, you know, we were chatting and, and amongst our, our guys being like, Wags, have you got it yet? No, we haven't got it yet. Or oh, another application went through today and oh, we didn't get it. And oh, they lost mm. it. And we have it. I remember that process so clearly. Mm. What was it like when you got the tick of approval that you could go into the States and pretty much say, I can now live with my wife? Oh man, that was, yeah, it came at the right time, I will say, but I mean, cause like, I just, I had, I mean, as, as much as I was enjoying rekindling my love for music there and stuff, it was, on the other hand, I was kind of declining because I just wanted this, I had no idea what was happening in my life. You know, I'm like, 27 at this point and like thinking I'm just in this limbo and I need to get things on track right and and it just it was out of my hands and I was just sitting in this limbo and like when I got it I was like oh finally it's like my my real life can start again there's been so many portions of my life that felt like they existed outside of time you know like, mm, mm. that was in part one of them and it was just like oh okay now I can start doing the thing that I actually came here to do, which was, you know, build, you know, my relationship with Sam and our, you know, our whole life together. Yeah. That's so good. And, yeah, I couldn't there. even describe, but I will tell you, it wasn't, it's, it, that didn't end there, but like that was, that moment was uh, just being able to be in the same country and living together was, it was an indescribable relief. Hmm. Oh, so good. And I can, I can see you talk about it because we've got the video on here. The viewers come back just to see this sort of the euphoricness of, you know, even the, it felt like I just saw 20 kilos drop off your shoulder there when you were talking about it. And I remember, again, I remember you speaking about it with us over, over our Facebook chat being like, boys, I'm in. Like, and I remember all of us being like, yes, like, it's like mm -hmm. you can go to real life now. Like you're in like a holding pattern for 10 months. And now you're yeah. like, yes, I can, in the most insane way, I can be with my wife, which you wouldn't think that sentence would have to be said very often. Like, which she's that your point wife. Was like a year after we'd been married, a year after that, I could finally, you know, we could live together. Yeah. So we, I want to, um, I want to fast track this a, a little bit um, going forward, and I, I think again, this could be a three-hour conversation because I'm, I'm loving yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> and it's also, it's also so fun. No, I love it because it's so fun because a lot of the episodes that I've done, I've just felt like we need a part two. For maybe that's something for the future, but we'll, we'll, we'll gotcha. talk about that. <laughs> what, what are you, what are you doing at the moment? You know, what does your job look like? So you said nearly five years um, in the states. You know, what are you doing and um, at the moment? Um, well, I guess in terms of the timeline, I guess I'm now I'm thinking it's been about three. So I was allowed to come back here into 2017. Um, so yeah, uh, when I got back here, um, I still wasn't quite legally allowed to work yet. Hmm. So, um, a guy I met who, uh, had, uh, who had like a string of cafes in, uh, in Brooklyn and Queens had started roasting his own coffee. And uh, he's like, look, I, I want someone to help me build a wholesale program for this business. And I was like, 
look, I have literally no other choice. I'm not, <laughs> you pay me under the table. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but like, yeah, he, um, he's just like, you give it a shot and see if it works out. And, um, you know, it was not what I, in, I thought I would be doing at this point, that's for sure. But it's, uh, it was a new challenge that I was able to take on and it was something that I became successful at. So I was like, well, let's just keep doing this. And, you know, it's, um, it's something that I found super interesting hmm. and, uh, really like it. Yeah. Awesome. And is that what you're doing now? Is that what you've, um, you're continuing yeah. into now? What, what have you progressed mm -hmm. into? What roles are you doing? Well, so I'm still managing the wholesale program, but you know, we've moved out of that little space that we started in and are just by the end of this year, moving into a huge warehouse to uh, awesome. really ramp up production. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, you know, it's just nice to have something that for me, I mean, it may not be the most glamorous job, but like, you know, it's something that I can point to and say, I made that happen. You know, yeah, like, sick. um, I think isn't that really what we're we're looking for? I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, some kind of thing just to tie it back to the start. Something kind of self identity, self esteem boost to say that we're making some kind of effect. Yeah, I love it. Some kind of difference, some kind of effect, and I think that's it. Like every conversation we can have, if it's a you know, if that person leaves that conversation, goes, yeah, I enjoyed that, or I learned something, or, or whatever from that, I think. This world will continue to be um, a better place. Now, it would be amiss of me to not um, bring up obviously the next um, part. And again, I'm happy for you to steer this in a way. And I want to I want to put this in a way that we've spoken to a lot of guests. And you mentioned that um, you know tragically your your father passed away, which is just an awful time for for yourself, obviously, and all of us. And the added dramas of you being you know in the states, but even though you were in Australia at the time, but going through that process as well. I want to ask, I suppose, a technical question because, you know, I think there's elements that we don't need to get into in that sense. But I've had a lot of guests talk about, in a sense, like a grieving process and like understanding, you know, what, how you went through it and, and how does that occur? What, what did that look like for you as a, as a mature man trying to process probably the hardest thing you've ever had to go through in your life? What, what did that look like? for you and, and how did you you know go about you know even getting to the point today where you are um it's honestly it's been a real journey um it's you know it's just funny that you say as a mature man i'm glad you think of me that way um <laughs> <laughs> no i uh you know i think it, what it did was it triggered a sort of mental health journey for me that um i've come out the other side of much stronger uh grief is is a, is a weird thing like that but it just the way it happened so like i had finally after all of this time of not being able to leave you know the northern northern north america um finally being able to return home to see my parents who i hadn't seen in two years hmm. and you know, I had come home, Sam had bought his tickets home to celebrate my 30th birthday with them. And so like two days before that, that's when my dad, unfortunately, you know, went into hospital and passed away there. 
um, unexpectedly. And uh, it was pretty, it was pretty devastating to me because I had so much guilt Hmm. about being away for so long. I mean, they are very, just the best supported parents in the world. And I, I felt like I had, I don't know, kind of forsaken that a little bit just by disappearing for so long. And I, I mean, I still deal with that a little bit, but um, it was just really hard because I felt like I'd finally got to the point where I had everything in order and that I was able to do this and everything was fine now you know i just wanted to go back and be like everything's fine everything's fixed you know and then you don't get the time that you think you have you Mm. know um and that was really hard that was really hard to take it seemed very unfair which you know Mm. losing someone is always unfair um but the thing is because i was there uh I just, and I did this thing that I always do, which when something happens is I go into Mr. Fix-It mode, you know, I, I go into, you know, be there for my mom, be there for my sister, make sure everything goes smoothly, organize the funeral, blah, blah, blah. And then I, you know, next thing I went back on the plane, coming back to New York, where it just seems so far away from all of that stuff. Um, so I just didn't deal with it for the longest time. And I started to, I mean, I'll be brutally honest, I turned into a very depressed and not nice person to be around. Um, You can ask Sam, it got pretty difficult to be around me for a little while. And that's why I decided, you know, this is not a good pattern of behavior for me. It's something I've noticed before in my life. And that's when I was like, you know, no more, I'm going to fix this. And I, you know, got myself some some therapy, you know, went out and bought a box of therapy. And Mm -hmm. uh you know, it, it was, so it kind of triggered this whole mental health journey for me. And like, I uh, just remember feeling like I just wanted to get back to feeling like myself again. And thankfully I was able to do that, but you know, it's, uh, and I feel like so much more in control, but this is kind of all of this, like, stay strong, ma- like toxic masculinity bullshit. Don't let people know how oh, you feel. Oh, don't like, get me started. And, don't get me started. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I think we all know what that feels like. Hmm. And uh, it's, it's good to have control over that and be a little bit free of that now, you know? Yeah, and that is amazing to hear. And I think I'm going to, well, personally, thank you so much for your vulnerability to, to share about that. I think that in itself is a strength and, and something that um, I am a very appreciative of. And I think... Uh, in the last sort of three to four years of my life started to really understand with the help of counseling as well and therapy. Like I I happily admit and I openly say that that is one of the best things that I've ever done in my life um, is do that because it allowed me to see things in my life but also, you know, build and and process and and do those things. So now any bloke Mm -hmm. that um, unfortunately it's just the way it's been set up but any bloke that says to me, hey, I've been going to counseling or going to therapy. I'm like, dude, awesome. It is the one of the, the best things you do. And any person says to me, nah, it's not worth it or anything. I'm like, you're actually an idiot. Like show me show me a 27-year-old bloke or 28-year-old bloke who's had counseling or therapy. And I'd be like, mate, you know, that's, that's the way forward. Um, there's a lot of stuff we need to process and particularly around such big events like that. Uh, um, I, I can't encourage it enough. You know, like that, totally. that's, I suppose that's the big element for me. 
And that's the thing is like, even if you, if you're not sure that you, you need it, do it anyway. I mean, like it's that, that, that was the thing that kind of kept me off for a long time. It's like, you, you, you know, me telling myself that, oh, your problems aren't that bad, you know, like, mm. doesn't matter. Get it done. Like, yeah, They're you there. should be treated like getting a haircut, you know, it's like. Amen. Well, that is honestly, I think, one of the, the best insights that we've had in 10 episodes because I just vehemently <laughs> agree with that. Like, it's uh, it's honestly something I can't stress it enough that it would I'll literally just advocate for. And in comparison to four years ago where I remember telling some of my best mates, like, get stuff, there's no way I'm going to counselling. as the stupidest thing ever. To then sit here now and be like, I don't think I would be in the posture or position I am um, without that and without me. So, um Again, thank you for your vulnerability, and I think these stories are also important. Um, and the the beautiful thing is that you are in a better place now. And um, the fact that you said you know you came through it is is hectic, and um, you yeah. know we're all going to deal with you know parts of mental health and those type of things going forward. That is just the nature of life. Um, mm-hmm. I suppose for me, we're nearly at time, and I want to finish off, which we have alluded with 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 Sam um, and and talking about you know that. Um, part of your life obviously the story of you meeting is awesome she 100% left her bag there on purpose let's just not let's just not beat around the bushes here yeah like she 100% yeah she she was all about the wags at that point she wanted to definitely get um speak to you further um the proof is in the pudding yeah exactly right um so how long now married five years married this came up on five years five years married well congratulations what what has marriage uh, meant to you and obviously the relationship that you have with Sam like it, it's it is a beautiful thing marriage um, in its context mm. and obviously when you have that person it's awesome as well so what does I suppose Sam mean to you and what does marrying Sam um, mean to you as well uh, it means you're I was gonna sound like obvious but it is it's your life partner in the truest sense of the word mm. you know it's it's uh an extension of of each other you know it's it's um just not being quite as good a person yourself without the other person there Mm. you know and and encouraging each other to be better people and and work harder on yourself and you know and um and just yeah, just everything. I don't know, man. It's so hard to put into words. Yeah, I love that. Hey, that, that, that to me it says it. <laughs> yeah, and that if you wouldn't change it for the world, mate, that that says to me um, everything um, that we need. So, well, f- Wags, it has been firstly awesome to catch up, awesome to see your face, awesome to catch up and and to chat. I think that's been really good and probably a little bit overdue. So I think we can fix that um, going forward amongst Definitely. all the lads and and us as well. Um, yeah. It has been a real honor to have you on the show um, as our first international guest as well. You know, put that on the resume, mate. That's something that uh, <laughs> will really, really stand out <laughs> in that sense. But it's been a real honor. I thank you for your transparency, vulnerability to share your stories with us. Um, and it's been a real pleasure um, to have you on High People Podcast, mate. So thank you so much for, for coming on. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, man. It's been an absolute pleasure.